Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by Tara Sloan, content contrib contributor to the San Jose Sharks, host for NBC Sports. Also, I really like uh, your podcast, The Undercurrent, um, as well for the San Jose Sharks. So, uh, Tara, I've been a big fan for a long time from afar, and it's really cool to to have you on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I people might not know this, but you have a really interesting kind of career arc, and uh, you were a musician for a long time, and and then uh, were kind of destined for that. Just talk a little bit about that, and um, were you always kind of? Do you still consider yourself, I think, a female rock goddess? <laughs> I don't think I ever actually considered myself a female rock goddess, but that was the uh, the ad in the paper that I answered to join my band Joy Drop. They were looking for a rock goddess, so. I guess I thought I was enough of one to uh, to, to go and, and meet with the band. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll preface the whole thing by saying I was a huge hockey fan growing up, but certainly never had my sights on hockey as a career, nor did I even, I didn't see anybody look like me doing it. There were no mm -hmm. women really <clears throat> in hockey broadcasting when I was growing up. Um, music was my focus all through high school. I studied classical voice and and opera ultimately just seemed sorry dogs okay. <laughs> um opera was a little bit too much um from a discipline perspective for me when i was in university so i changed tack a little bit and i i did uh theater um but music was just my passion so i ended up joining the spam joy drop we put out a couple albums we toured a lot um and then you know i after about 10 solid years of doing music, I decided to, I needed something a little bit more stable and was able to move pretty seamlessly into television. So that's kind of how it happened. I did entertainment um, television and then I did lifestyle. I hosted a morning show and then very intentionally steered my career towards hockey. Yeah, I, I know you you were at Sun TV. That was like your first kind of gig in, in the industry. Yeah. Uh, just kind of talk about how scary or, or that transition from being a musician to then going into the, um, I guess, journalism slash TV industry. Well, I think that was the most natural fit because I had been interviewed so many times that I felt, and I knew that world. So moving into entertainment first was, that felt comfortable. Um, but yeah, certainly it was all foreign to me. I'd never written, I'd never produced, I'd never paper edited, I'd never read a teleprompter. But of course, you know, when you perform for a living, there's a lot of crossover and so mm. a lot of transferable skills. But the funniest thing, or not funny, haha, but craziest thing is that, you know, I had done shows in front of tens of thousands of people. I was on the show Rockstar in Excess, which would have, mm -hmm. who knows how many people would have watched, <laughs> um, which was an incredibly nerve wracking experience. But I had a panic attack when I was on Sun TV. Mm -hmm. um doing one of my first live hits so i was not prepared for how nervous i would be just it just was a different setting and i mean probably nobody was watching but it was just so that really threw me i was surprised so i guess i guess it was scary and i had to work through that yeah. um but i'm really grateful that i, I had that opportunity because i feel like nowadays you know, those types of small stations don't really exist anymore. Um, so, yeah, it just it was a, a unique opportunity for me. And and, and just being on, on Sun TV, then obviously you went to 
for people that don't know, went to, to Calgary for breakfast television. Like, what did you learn from that, those experiences of a more kind of entertainment to a breakfast show that you kind of brought into your, your next job in, in the sports world? Well, I think doing a show like breakfast television, um, it's just, it's like a marathon. It's three and a half hours of live TV a day. And there's, I think the, the, the way you get better at anything is, is reps. And so when you're on TV, you know, that much, that often, um, where there are so many variables, you know, so many different kinds of, of guests, so many different things can happen. So many different things do happen. It really taught me First of all, some of the nuts and bolts of TV, you know, how to come in from break, how to go out to break, um, how to throw to pieces, whatever, that kind of like TV stuff. But also just you got to roll with it. Like things happen, you know, lights mm-hmm. fall, people walk through your shot. You have a guest who's on drugs, Chris Kattan. Um, So like <laughs> you just you never know. And I, I that was, you know, five, spending five years doing that. It, you're prepared for anything at that point. And was it because you obviously didn't go to, or I don't think you went to school for, for journalism. Like, was, was it just like an on the fly thing? Did you have mentors that kind of, Hey, do this, don't do that. Like, what, how did that work? Yeah, for, for sure. I did. I mean, my, my first real mentor was Michael Landsberg. Um, mm. For those people who, you know, who don't know, Michael is a legend in sports broadcasting, worked for TSN for three decades, at least. Um, and had a long running show called off the record that I was a guest on Mm -hmm. over 20 times, um, when I was a musician. So I love to talk about sports. Um, and Michael actually helped me put my first demo reel together. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. And so he's definitely the, do I have it? Yeah. No, uh, you know what? I'm sorry, dogs. Um, it'd be really bad. Um, I might, you know, I have like bins full of VHS tapes, so it's very possible it's in there. <laughs> um, but my demo reel would have consisted only of my music videos, maybe a couple of appearances on Off the Record, um, a little bit of Rockstar in Excess, maybe, <laughs> and some stuff with Entertainment Tonight Canada. But mm-hmm. he was the one for sure that I called upon, you know, when I was having trouble when I was struggling with nerves because you know he is so open actually at that time he wasn't but you know he's become very open about his depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and so he's really wonderful on on that topic so he was my my primary uh, mentor but you know I just always look for advice where I can find it Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the way to go you know just be open and and listen and ask for feedback when did you maybe and and this could be when you went to hometown hockey but that like that you felt very comfortable being on tv hosting shows i mean i felt there was a probably a couple years into breakfast television i felt really really comfortable there you know to tell you the truth i don't know that i ever felt really comfortable on hometown hockey okay um I felt really comfortable doing certain things. I feel really comfortable out in the community. I feel really comfortable um, interviewing and talking to people. I found that pay- the pace of that show was so fast and we mm-hmm. were trying to cram in so much information that, I mean, I was like, I was nervous every single week just because there was so much information to, to hold. Yeah. and try to express properly 
Um, and I'm sitting next to Ron McLean, who has a photographic memory. Yep. <laughs> so like, I know he's going to get it right. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say for me, that was a comfortable show. It was a very mm-hmm. rewarding show, mm-hmm. but um, comfortable now. And, and with that, just, I, I know you kind of, uh, obviously Rogers got the rights to um, the NHL here in Canada. And then, uh, you know, you kind of put your name in in there for it. Just talk about that process about why you wanted to to go into sports, because you just, you did allude to that. Mm-hmm. You kind of felt drawn to going into sports at, at kind of always yeah i was uh i was a huge hockey fan growing up the ultimate canadian story i grew up watching hockey night in canada like everybody else you know it was a real bonding time for my dad and me my family's originally from montreal so it was fun to root for the habs back in those days mm-hmm. um uh, i know your then, favorite player was matt naslin is like did you ever get to meet him yeah. at any point i've never met him uh, no that's on the list yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know how much time he spends in North America, but um, yeah, I would love to meet him. Um, and then, yeah, so and then off the record, I did. I think it really did inspire me because it was just so much fun to talk sports and I could hang in that world mm. um, and even did some web content for them in very early days, like early 2000s, where oh. like people weren't doing that yet. I I did some locker room stuff for them. I covered the NHL awards for them. So oh. But again, never thought it would be a career path. Um, and I think it was it was breakfast television. Um, you know, we had so Calgary is such a great sports city. We had so much connection with the Calgary Flames um, and really great access. Brian Burke was there at the time. Mm-hmm. I just was really interested in it. And so what actually happened was um, I ended up filling in at the last moment for an awards show for Canada's Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony in cool. probably 2011 or 12. Um, and the president of Sportsnet was there and he came up to me and he said, that was really good. Like, do you like sports? And I said, yes, I really do. Mm. And so that was when a dialogue was started and I started to do some junior hockey for Sportsnet. I started to do some curling and some other weird stuff. <laughs> like <Okay. box> <laughs> um, you know, I was kind of a, just a little bit of a, a stringer if they had something mm-hmm. in, in Alberta that needed covering. So that, you know, that connection was established. And then when hometown hockey, the press release came across my desk, I thought, okay, this is, this is perfect for me. Yeah. And, and with hometown hockey, like you talked to, you talked about Ron McLean, obviously you guys were, on the road all the time just describe that relationship together i know you guys are both music uh obviously mm-hmm. uh, obviously with your background but also with ron's i think you both like tom petty just describe a, that relationship <laughs> a little bit well it's funny the first time we met we both thought i was in toronto from calgary and we were um told that we had a meeting we were going to meet but we assumed that our producer would be there or something anyway we both showed up at the starbucks by the cbc building in toronto and nobody else was there so it was just the two of us and i we didn't talk about hockey once Mm. we talked about music pretty much exclusively um i mean ron you know i i give him so much credit because i think i mean i guess he was supposed to vet me but i mean he that's not his style he would never i don't think he'd ever be like i don't think this person's appropriate and we got along really well. Um, 
but he I, he had faith that I could do it before I had faith that I could do it really mm. you know he he never yeah he treated me like a, an equal right right off the bat mm-hmm. and and what what do you think like was why do you think your show was so successful just between you guys and the stories that you were able to tell across the country I mean, I think that's just it. You know, I know it didn't appeal to everyone and those who thought it was hokey, let us, certainly let us know. Um, but I think that it was like, you know, it was this, there was a an absence in the marketplace and there probably, there is again, you know, there is no show like it. We focused on local stories and, you know, I think the more we highlighted kind of these different locations, we also highlighted you know, what was similar and, and the common denominator is, is using hockey for good for the most part. Um, so I think it was really fun for communities to see themselves reflected. I think it was really fun for people to see other parts of the country mm-hmm. um, and, you know, to see us become immersed in, in these communities. We learned so, so much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we, we told stories that other hockey broadcasts at the time weren't telling i think mm-hmm. i think the storytelling in in hockey has become more expansive since you know since we since our inception but you know we we were telling talking about some stuff that nobody was talking about you know we were talking to sheldon kennedy about yeah um you know the abuse he suffered we were talking about you know first nations hockey teams that were being left out of certain things like we you know, there were hard stories that we were um, addressing. How, how much how much freedom did you have just at Sportsnet to, to kind of tell those stories that for, I mean, I, I always believe that there are the right stories to tell, but for some people, mm-hmm. I'm sure you had a lot of pushback. Uh, I'm sure you had pushback from the league, maybe with Kyle Beach, like just talk <clears> about <throat> that. Um, at Sportsnet, we, hometown hockey was a little bit of an island for sure. Like we... Um, you know, if there was pushback, I don't think it, it didn't trickle down to us. Our producer, Allison Redmond really protected us, but you know, they, they gave us free reign. They, this show turned into what it was because we were a group of people really committed to telling those stories. Um, you know, so I can't remember, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were a few instances where they're like, okay, don't go there or whatever. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we we did what we wanted. And, you know, you reference Kyle Beach discussion. Um, and I, I assume you're referencing the little, you know, diatribe I went on. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who, if anybody's watching this probably is familiar with, um, you know, Kyle Beach and his story from the Chicago Blackhawks and, and the years of um, abuse that was let um happened Mm -hmm. um and you know when i talked about that on the air they knew i was going to do it nobody asked me for a script nobody asked me you know to to vet what i was saying um you know i made it clear that it was my opinion and wasn't the opinion of sportsnet or anything else that i was purely editorializing Mm -hmm. from my own perspective but i gotta give them credit you know i can't say that i'm I'm sure there are some people that are relieved that A, hometown hockey is over and B, that <laughs> I, my voice is no longer something that they have to worry about. 
Um, but there was an element, I think, of being on hometown hockey that just kept us protected in that way. And but it was, I mean, we, we definitely got, I, we, we started to really, really feel it. Like we were, you know, after Don Terry was um, fired, yeah. we had protection. We had like, we literally had, you know, sort of extra really? police on duty. We had, we had private security for a while. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. How did we that kind of that. affect you? If I might ask. It's just scary. Yeah. You know, it's, it's scary. I mean, it's certainly, it was more at that time directed towards Ron and, you know, he was frightened and also just, it was, it was awful. Like he was getting absolutely torn apart online and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was terrible to, to watch somebody just being just ripped apart in that way. But yeah, you kind of, you realize that, you know, we were this TV studio um, with not a lot of security around us and maybe, you know, we could have been a sitting duck and at a certain point you think, oh, well, all it takes is like one crazy, who knows, right? The, yeah. The world is, is a weird place. Um, you know, and even, especially in the last couple of years of our existence as the culture wars were really mm-hmm. starting to heat up, just never knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it started to feel a little bit unsafe. I have to admit where did you get kind of maybe the courage to kind of speak? I guess your truth would probably be the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I think that I think it's always been in me in a way. Like I, I know that even as a kid, I felt really like injustice kind of, it, it always mm-hmm. hurt me like deeply in my yeah. solar plexus. Um but I think for me, you know, it came along with having a pedestal, not a pedestal, like, but having privilege and having a platform, not pedestal. Um, <laughs> it's for you and flip. Um, but ha- yeah, having the platform and having the privilege of knowing that I'm a tenured professional at Sportsnet with a certain, like I said, like we were protected a little bit because we were this island of a show. Mm-hmm. Um and I just think that, yeah, I probably wouldn't have, like, in terms of, like, Sportsnet reprimanding me or, or getting rid of me for, you know, being too outspoken. Um, I don't think that would have looked great for them. Mm-hmm. But to their credit, like, the only time they ever talked to me about stuff that happened on online was if they were worried about my safety. So, uh, you know, they never, like, which which you know, says something about them, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think for me, it's like, it, it's partially, it's my nature mixed with, you know, the privilege of being, um, you know, an established middle-aged white lady. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with being a, a, a white lady, I guess I'll, I'll pivot as best as I can to just what, what's kind of been your experience just as a woman in the kind of hockey world of late, um, and in the hockey industry that is so male dominated and and maybe what advice would you have to young women of all colors and, and stripes um, just coming into this industry? I mean, certainly in, you know, my position now, I really, it's changed so much. Um, you know, it's, I, I really don't feel like people watch me host the broadcast and are like, oh gosh, you and and again, it's also a different market here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think a, a little bit more open, and um, so I think in, in Canada, there's definitely a lot more of that like 
you know, shut up and make me a sandwich. <laughs> but those are just a loud vocal few, you know. Yeah. Uh, there are so many of us, so many women, reporters, hosts, um, you know, people working in the media, reporters, um, you know, of written words. So I, that I, that really, I don't feel that kind of isolation anymore. Uh-huh. Where, but there's also, you know, there's. I would like to see certainly more women in, you know, kind of the executive um, hockey operations ranks. Mm-hmm. That's coming a lot more slowly. So I can't really speak to how it feels in there. You know, if you're um, Emily Castonge or, or mm-hmm. Haley Wickenheiser, like one of, you know, one of few, um, you know, assistant GMs or scouts, et cetera. But it's, it's coming along. It's coming along. Yeah. And, and with that, with, hockey and the culture there's it feels like we've been hitting these kind of breaking points and really just these moments uh with Kyle Beach Hockey Canada uh, unfortunately there's you know more and more stories but that might be in a way a good thing that it's finally coming out but just what what's how do you feel about maybe the state of the culture in the game of hockey as we currently sit I think there are a lot of people doing really really good and important work um and I think it's easy at times to become dejected. You know, I do think that sometimes um, the NHL has taken the, you know, path of least resistance, which um, does not, to me, lead to meaningful change. I think, you know, taking away specialty jerseys from warmups is one of those things that's just kind of baffling um, and seems like a step backwards. Yep. And there's still plenty of incidents throughout hockey, you know, racism and, and assault and all that kind of stuff, hazing. But, you know, so it, it is easy to be like, like why am I doing this? You, you just feel like you're, you know, Atlas pushing the world uphill. But mm-hmm. but then, you know, luckily, luckily for me, like I, you know, my world is also inhabited by people who are just, who are doing amazing work. Um, like the Carnegie initiative, like, um, the future of hockey lab, like Mary Kay Messier at Bauer, like all these people, the PWHL that's starting up, like there's, there are people who are really spending their, their life energy, um, to make hockey a, a much, much, better and welcoming place so um it's coming and it's inevitable because it's inevitable because i think like if it's kind of like it makes good business sense too Mm -hmm. right like this game i think has kind of plateaued in terms of its existing audience if you want to grow the audience of this game you've got to start appealing to people who would never have considered hockey before, you know, yep. new, you know, immigrants, like new Canadians, new Americans, um, you know, different, like just different demographics. So at a certain point, it's just going to be like, oh yeah, that's, we've got to expand this because that's how we're going to become more sustainable. Uh, how just, you talked about the PWHL, how excited are you for, for that league to start up? I, th- I I keep seeing really cool jerseys. Uh, it's starting here in Ottawa soon, and I'm definitely going to go to a bunch of games, but just yeah, how, how, so how, cool. how excited are you just from, obviously from afar, 
uh, to see a, a league that seemingly looks to finally be settled with the resources needed to be mm. sustainable and be, as you mentioned, profitable. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. You know, I think part of my journey with hometown hockey was that we've met, we met so many players from, um, from the past and the present from, you know, women's national team, like all these great players um, and kind of watching this, this journey and then, you know, experiencing with them also this frustration um, and seeing this split with the PWHPA and the PHF and like, just like, when is it going to happen? So to finally see it, come to fruition and obviously you know there's going to be growing pains and it's going to grow but you know when i see things like you know all of toronto's all of toronto's home games are sold out like yeah 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 this is great um like i'm literally going to get online after i talk to you and and (laughs) order some of their new hoodies because their merch just came out yep um it's i i you know i i feel very strongly about like these women deserve to play hockey professionally, to make a living, to be taken care of properly Mm -hmm. and protected. Um, And it's just going to mean everything to the kids who are playing hockey as they come up seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. How, How often do you have like young people coming up to you, obviously just with your time with hometown hockey and obviously you didn't, you didn't play the game, but um, mm-hmm. Just how many times do young girls come up and say, hey, you know, I want to be you or something along those lines? Quite a lot. Yeah. And it's even it's even starting here, which is kind of sweet because I'm so new to this market. But yeah, and I will always I always take the time. You know, I get a lot of kind of um, inquiries on LinkedIn and, and uh, mm-hmm. different social media. Um, I always take the time to to chat. Awesome. Uh, I I want to kind of go to the Sharks as well. Obviously, you're you know been there for the past year and a half now. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're I think they're six two and two in their last ten. I could be wrong on that, but they're on a a scorcher after a terrible yeah. start. Um, just what's it been like for you to to be in San Jose covering the team uh, day in and day out? I'm really enjoying it. I mean, yes, the the start to the season was. Um, a shock to the system for everybody. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be hot, but I don't think anybody thought that they would get off to that kind of start. So it, you know, the whole, the air just gets sucked out of the room, you know, Mm -hmm. and you could see it on the players' faces, the coaches' face, like, um, and it's, yeah, it's just hard to keep the energy up for everybody. Um, Living here, I finally, you know, this, this season, I feel more like, okay, I'm starting to know everybody. And mm-hmm. um, the, I mean, listen, it's December 15th and it's 20 degrees outside and sunny. Like it's, it's really, it's nice. Yes. Like it's really nice to wake up and there's a lot of sun even during this rainy season. Um, but yeah, I like the team. I like the organization. Um Again, now going into my second season, I feel like, you know, I walk in the rink and I know people, I know the team, I know the guys, I make a point of going to morning skate, even if I don't really need anything. I just think it's important to to <laughs> stay connected and for them to know me and, and trust me. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, this, this recent kind of <laughs> turn of, of events, all of a sudden these crazy comeback wins and, and, 
like some legit wins. Um, it's just really fun to watch and, and the energy has shifted quite dramatically. So yeah, really, I, ju- I just really wish, nice. I just wish they didn't beat my jets last week. Uh, but, uh, that's, that's okay. I, I, you know what they, the, the fans there deserve it. I, I after those two goal games, I don't know how people stayed in the kept coming and, and they did. So shout out to them. Wow. I'm good. Yeah. It was, it was a little bit grim. So yeah, no, that, and that, yeah, I mean, I know we don't want to talk too much, you know, in-depth hockey, but that Jets game was different because it wasn't that like, oh, superhero comeback. It was like mm-hmm. they they were in that game the whole time and they won. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, it was good. Just as like a host and, and everything, like what's that process like for you when you get to um, kind of the game, how you prepare? Just maybe tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it depends what I'm doing. So sometimes I host the pre-game, post-game intermissions. And that's a different kind of um, preparation. You know, that I'm very, very diligent about game notes, you know, just making mm-hmm. sure that I, like, okay, tell my short goal scored, you know, three goals, blah, 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 like that I have been, because there's like 75 pages of notes from the teams, but I kind of need them to be in a certain way right. so that I can access them. So there's a lot more of, of that um, because you're talking much more hockey, right? You're really talking mm-hmm. about um, the players, the play, the game. When I'm doing rinkside stuff, it's a little bit different because I'm trying to source stories that are part of the game or even outside the game. Like I talked about the PWHL um, last game. You know, I talked about, you know, Adam Lowry and Adam's dad. Dave who played here, you know, so you're just finding like nuggets. Um, So the preparation is slightly different. So a little less game focused, a little more story focused. So, but it all, you know, in those days I go to morning skate. So it's, it's, you know, it's a full day and night. Yeah. Yeah. People don't, I think people have this assumption that, you know, you do TV and you leave, but you, you spend hours on 30 seconds of, you know, tv story yeah I, I i cover the sends and i know kyle bukoskis a little bit and uh, i see his work ethic and he does those 30 second clips and he puts way more than 30 seconds into those clips so i <laughs> yeah i can definitely kind of admire that um i i have to ask just because it came to mind uh i'm sure you you saw the carissa thompson uh remarks from, about mm-hmm. uh kind of making up stories just your thoughts on that, because I think it'd be very interesting to know from someone who's, you know, done the job itself. Oh, I mean, I thought it did a horrible disservice to those of us who take the job really seriously um, and who would never in a million years concoct anything just for entertainment value. Um, You know, it's really like, yeah, it, it was, I mean, it's, it's kind of mind boggling that she did that to begin with and to, you know, for her to kind of be open about it and kind of laugh it off as like a, a whatever thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad it got the feedback that it did because yeah, there are so many people who work so hard, um, Mm -hmm. and who are so precise, you know, like you just, you never want to misquote anybody, let alone make something up. Yeah. 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 And, Obviously, you know, as a woman, it's just like again, it can you just never want to play into the narrative of like, see, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> women, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
how, how have you kind of developed those relationships with players over the past like year and a half like is that because I'm I'm covering the sense it is it takes a long time to get to know players like what's kind of your thought process on that I, I mean, I think being there is literally number one, right? They just see you, they know you, they get to know you. Mm -hmm. um, and I just make, I try to chat. Like, you know, if I don't even, I try to get in the scrum sometimes, even if I'm not, like, I don't really need it. Um, you know, it does, it also, it helps when you're telling stories that aren't, that are a little bit more fun for them. Like when they were going on their first road trip, I asked a bunch of them, like what some of the must haves for travel were. Mm. And that's more fun for them, you know. They're like, you know, that they what was that? Oh, it was Philip Zadina took his like dog blanket with him on the road. <laughs> so anyway, you learn some funny and cute stuff. So, but I really just think it's about it's about showing up, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and talking to them, even if it feels kind of scary sometimes, because sometimes yeah. you're like, I, you know. Yeah, no, I've I've felt that uh, feeling uh, multiple times, uh, so I, I definitely can understand that feeling. Um, before I let you go, I have like one kind of fun question for you. Uh, is so if you all of a sudden Gary Bettman resigns and you become <laughs> Tara Sloan becomes NHL commissioner for a day, what would the first decree from uh, Commissioner uh, Sloan be? The first rule the change. First decree. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Well, the first rule change, there are, I don't even know what the rules exactly called, but you know how, like, when the puck goes out of play, sometimes then there's a, a penalty? Yep. Okay, I think that's stupid. Okay. Well, can you, can you, why is that, why is delay of game? Well, just delay it because the, because sometimes it's completely inadvertent. Like, I just think yes. that there's a difference between an intentional delay of game and an inadvertent. Yeah. But anyway, that's, I just think that's silly. I think it's, um, decree. That's a great question. Well, I, I would definitely bring back those jerseys. The... I would bring back the specialty jerseys. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I have to think about it. I'm sure there's lots more important, like way more important and substantial things I'd need to um, to do. But, you know, I when we had our first theme night, which was really early into the season, mm -hmm. it was the Los Tiburones night, which is the mm. you know, Hispanic Heritage Night here in San Jose. And it's a huge part of our community here. Yeah. And those jerseys are so, like they still make them, the players just don't wear them. And there's so much thought and, and, you know, art that goes into these beautiful yeah. logos. And it really felt like this vacuum when the players weren't wearing them. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that that whole thing was just so, so, so very short-sighted. And I would mandate every NHL um, team to have a pride night. Yep. I, I think that one's uh, not too hard to do actually. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Jersey of all time? Like some people really have like a favorite and and you can even go traditional, um, but just what's your favorite Jersey of all time? Uh, well, I mean, I grew up a Habs fan, so it's like really, that's like to me the most sort of iconic classic. Um, but the Vancouver like flying V I think is, to me, that's um, that's a really cool one. 
And then one that is not an NHL jersey. And mm. and I don't know why they haven't used it for any NHL team. The Minnesota Fighting Saints of the World Hockey Association. Their jersey was like maroon. Uh-huh. Um, and had this like Saints. Anyway, I, I think that's one of the like all-time cool jerseys. And I, I can't believe that nobody's ever kind of taken that. Yeah, no. Oh, and Minnesota North Stars, sorry. Like, just original, which I think the the Wild are kind of adopting a little bit. I, I don't know if this is bad, you know, as uh, someone that covers the San Jose Sharks, but I did love the old Anaheim Mighty Ducks jerseys. There was something really cool about just uh, the duck with the stick and his mouth and everything. I really like that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, there have been some cool ones over the years. Our Hartford Whalers, too. Like, yeah, Ooh, there's some yeah. there's some great ones. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tara, for for taking the time and and coming on the show. Is there anything you want to plug for for kind of your podcast or anything along those lines? Um, sure. I mean, podcast is available wherever you get podcasts. It's called the Undercurrent, and um, I talk to you know people who are kind of pushing boundaries, mostly in hockey, but sometimes other sports. Um, this week's edition, I talked to Danielle Slayton, who is one of the mm-hmm co-founders of Bay FC, which is the Bay Area's new National Women's Soccer League uh, team. So. Awesome. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. And uh, thanks so much for, for taking the time and doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me.